0: listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your number one source for discussions about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, get ready for a new episode of Vol Basketball Fever. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Rutherford here with Gene Henley. We want to thank all of you for tuning in, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on the podcast Apple Choice you use, like Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify, wherever it is. Thank you all so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, If you're on YouTube here, please hit subscribe and, and like this video as well. And if you're not subscribed to our podcast, uh, if it's your first time listening, then, then thank you so much for tuning in. Please go ahead and subscribe today. And it's about to be March Madness. Gene, we're, we were just talking about how uh, February, the end of it is sneaking up on us because it's, for one, it's the shortest month of the year. But for two, it's just time is flying right now. And we're near the end of February, and March is about to be here. So we're, as like as I like to call it, uh, play off the words of our own title here, the February fever that is leading into March Madness is upon us. And we have. Plenty to talk about for Tennessee, Gene. Uh, the Vols last time since last time you and I spoke after the uh, Kentucky win, Tennessee's gone and played a couple games, lost to Arkansas on the road, and then beat Missouri on the road. And finally, Tennessee got an easy road victory and got an actually easy team to play on the road. <laughs> Seemed like all of Tennessee's road opponents this year, yeah, for the most part, have been pretty difficult and, and pretty tough environments to play in. Was well, not a tough environment to play in in, in Columbia. That they the announced crowd was like just over seven thousand. Uh, they didn't have that many in that in that arena. Um, but Tennessee goes on the road and gets an easy w- victory, a- almost wire-to-wire. Uh, Missouri had a, an early lead. Tennessee took it back pretty quickly. Uh, we got the win 80-61 there. Uh, but Gene, the, the one I want to get to eventually, uh, I want to start off on, on a little bit more of a positive note, is the Arkansas game where Tennessee lost that one 58-48. But first, let's go to the, the Missouri game here, the most recent one, because... I, I don't think there's a lot that I really can take away from this one because Missouri is just not a good team, offensively or defensively. Like they're in the bottom 130 on efficiency, or not bottom 130, because they're ranked 130 or worse on both offensive and defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Um, but the kind of the biggest thing for me in this game was, for one, Kenny Chandler had another phenomenal game. 23 23 points, eight rebounds for his six foot self is pretty impressive. Six assists and zero turnovers and two steals. The, the assist to turnover ratio is what really impresses me. He's, he's had now two of his last three games, he's had uh, six plus assists and zero turnovers. And he had, I think, two assists and two turnovers against Arkansas. So over his last three games, he's had 14 assists and two turnovers total, which that's a very nice margin. It seems like he's kind of coming along and really starting to hit a groove. But Gene, the, the big thing that stood out to me from this game was that uh, Victor Bailey Jr. had himself his best game of the season easily. Played 18 minutes, was five of eight from the floor, including making his only three he attempted. His his energy, Gene, he he's been a good energy guy off the bench for Tennessee anyway. But I mean, his energy in that whole game, defensively and everything, he was just. I mean, he was balling out in in this game, and it was nice to see him finally have a good game against you know a a quality opponent. Because I think he had like 14 points in an earlier game this year, but I'd, if I remember correctly, it was against a, a, a low-major a low team or mid-major team, whatever you want to call it. But really, to me, Victor Bailey Jr. was the big standout. And the fact that Tennessee's post players didn't have a great game, and Tennessee still found a way to actually score points in the paint and score points outside of the three, because Tennessee only attempted 18 threes in the game. Granted, they were nine of eighteen, so they're fifty percent. Uh, but they managed thirty-four points in the paint with Uro, Urosh not having a great game, Brandon Hatfield not doing great. Uh, Jonas they do great defensively, but he was one of eight from the floor, and Fulkerson only played six minutes because he hurt hurt his hip in the Arkansas game, and he you know, wasn't doing a whole lot there. Even with that, though, Tennessee had a lot of drives to the bucket, had a good amount of fast break points. Again, it's against Missouri, so I'm kind of like. I'm not taking away a whole lot of it, but there were some things in this game that I saw that, you know, it was nice to see someone step up when Tennessee needed someone to step up in in Victor Bailey Jr. Because they needed another spark off the bench because Ziegler wasn't having his typical kind of, I guess, his typical impact off the bench. And he still had a decent impact, but especially early on. But really, I mean, Victor Bailey uh, was was kind of the big standout in this game for me and the fact that Tennessee – didn't play down to competition. I mean, we've seen it multiple times. I mean, Auburn barely beat Missouri, if you're going to look at it there. They beat them like 55-54. They they definitely played down to competition in that respect, and Missouri is notorious for being able to kind of get the other team in the mud. So goes Tennessee where they deserve. They got almost a 20-point win on the road, and and they didn't really look all that bothered during the game.
1: Yeah, and – and I think going forward, it's, it's good to have options because, you know, like I know that the whole Bailey Powell thing has just always been such a, you know, I don't want to say a hot button issue, but it's been something that a lot of people have tried to take note of because, you know, people have, you know, people have grown weary of, of Victor Bailey and everybody wants to see the new guy. But, you know, Justin Powell had become the backup quarterback on a football team that's struggling. You want to see that kid out there. You need him. You need him. You want him. You need him. But, you know, like there are still some things that has to work on because uh, there's a difference between, you know, I understand that they, you know, that uh, Rick Barnes, they kind of mentioned that they kind of rolled with the hot hand last night. But uh, if they trust you, you're going to find yourself into the court. It just may be in some sort of different rotation. Um, A lot maybe, you know, perhaps with Victor Bailey. And so it's I don't think it's, like, overly concerning. I think it's more its more of a credit to, you know, just kind of the night that Bailey had, hitting shots, defending. He was a plus 16 in 18 minutes, which looks like it's pretty much, like, per minute the best on the team. Um, you know, and that and that's, that's really good to see for him because, you know, you have guys, like, basketball's a long season, and you're going to have, you know, there's going to be moments where you need different guys to kind of step up. Like, you can't always just... You can hope that the you know the white guys step up every single game. It doesn't always work that way. Uh, you're going to have to have contributions from guys coming off the bench, and you know in this particular game, um, it was Victor Bailey who had a really good performance. And if you can, you know, if you can get something mirroring that performance, you know, going forward, and then perhaps you get another uh, like another like really good shooting game against Auburn, because I'd imagine there's nobody. That wants to have the good game against Auburn as much as uh, Victor Bailey. I'm sorry, is uh, Justin Powell. Um, you know, like you, you never know. Like to ha- to be able to get one good performance out of one of, a good performance out of one of those two guys is key. I mean, you talked about Chandler. There's not much you can say when you're making shots. You're not turning the ball over and you're rebounding well. Um going to do what he does. That's never going to change. Um, it, it may look different from time to time. But basically, if you give them an open shot, just go ahead and just turn back around and walk, you know, run down court because that's three points. Um, you know, like you, you're going to get point, you're going to get points in the paint if you attack the basket, and you've got guys uh, Chandler, uh, Ziegler, guys like that who are very aggressive um, off the bounce and can get to the basket. Um, and so those, you know, those paint points count too. Um, you didn't get you didn't get the performances, you know, from your bigs. Uh, but you still got it and you did what you were supposed to do, which is beat down an inferior team, um, which is good as a dog barks in the background here. Um, but, yeah, I think that I think going forward, that's good. I mean, you got the performances that you needed to get out of the guys you need to get the performances out of. And again, I do a you know, do. I you know, Struggling to hit <laughs> shots, but he does look, he does everything else. Like, again, he, that's a kid who's going to take a year or two to develop as an offensive player because he's being asked to do something he's never been asked to do before. Uh, one of eight last night, not great, but he was also plus 18 in 23 minutes. And that looks like that's the second best on the team behind Um uh, Not all stats are, you know, are the same. And, you know, a kid can put up a great score performance. Uh, and be negative. Uh, yep. So it's great to see that pretty much for the second or you know not the second consecutive game, but for the second straight week that you and I have, have talked on this podcast, uh, Adu is coming off a solid performance. Because I mean, we all know what he did last week against Kentucky, and uh, he he certainly had a pretty solid performance last night.
0: Yeah, I am not to get ahead of ourselves here, but I I am like he his biggest test is going to be that. Auburn game because it's not just one guy with Oscar Sheaway. You've got to contend with Walker Kessler, who is the premier shot blocker in all of college basketball, and Jabari Smith because both those guys are, you know, Smith is a little more versatile. He, he does shoot from the perimeter and, and shoot mid range, but clearly he, he's, you know, 6'10 post. He's going to attack the paint too. Um, that's going to be Adu's biggest test. Uh, he played 23 minutes against Missouri. You mentioned one of eight from the floor, five points, but five boards, three blocks in that game as well. Um, even, even over the weekend against Arkansas. Didn't have the blocks, but he did go out there for 17 minutes in that game, six boards, four points, and had you know an even split of three, board, three offensive rebounds and three defensive re- rebounds in that game. Um, so this is going to be his biggest test. He's been a guy who's been consistently getting 15, 20 minutes in a, in a, in a game, and I think that's been I, – I like that that minute distribution for him. I think that's a a great He's – he's been – I mean, to me, he's been Tennessee's best – post player over the last I guess three games I mean well I guess Fulkerson was the best offensive player against Kentucky from the post because of what he was able to do when he's healthy and off- offensively against a, you know, a guy who he matched up with really well against Oscar Sheway but now he's hurt and we've seen from the past with Fulkerson that he doesn't always do the best of, of playing when he's hurt which you know that's fine like every not everybody heals the same not everybody is able to do the same things when they're injured but it just seems like Fulkerson especially Uh, during his long and and long storied tenure at Tennessee uh, isn't the greatest at being able to, you know, kind of brush off injury and play well when he's hurt. And that's why he only played six minutes against Missouri. And, you know, he's one of one and had two points and uh, yeah, three fouls in the the six minutes he was out there. Um, But that's what I I think looking ahead to the Auburn game is, is most intriguing to me is how Adu does against those other post players that, that, that Auburn's going to have that that's going to be Tennessee's the two best post players Tennessee have faced this entire season. I mean, you could maybe throw in the Arizona guys or maybe the Villanova guys, but I, I would put in Kessler and, and Jabari as the the top two. Um, then how does Brandon Huntley Hatfield, how does Erosh do against those guys? But that we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But I think, you know, you make, you make good points and, and kind of basically, I mean, building off what I said, what you said for the Missouri game, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's Missouri. They're now, 10 and 18 there that was their that was their 12th loss of the season gene of double digits and they've had i mean they were had they had a game earlier this year i don't think you and I talked about it where they lost arkansas and quite literally arkansas with their halftime score they could have gone the entire rest of the second half of that game and not scored a single point and has still have beaten missouri because they won that game 87-43, Eighty-seven, forty-three, and I think they had forty-four. Arkansas had forty-four or forty-five points at halftime, and they doubled up Missouri's score and beat them by forty-four in that game. So I mean, like it, this is the Missouri team. We're talking. It's also the same Missouri team that I mean they beat Alabama. I don't. They're just they're they've been a weird team, but they're not good um, overall. They don't have a true point guard. They don't really have a post player besides Kobe Brown, and he's six-seven. So I mean, it's like they don't have they just don't have a lot of pieces right now, and they haven't had pieces all season. So I want to go back a little bit, and I know it's more of a negative topic, but i sorry, guys. It's just how I guess how this podcast is going to go. I, I, I'm not like feeling negative about it. I, I don't feel, you know, I'm not, this is not going to be a negative bashing Tennessee episode. I guess what I'm trying to say. But gee, let's go back a little bit to the Arkansas game here where Tennessee lost that one on the road 58 uh, 48. Lowest scoring output of the season for Tennessee. Uh, They could not buy a shot, especially from three. They finished that game four of 24 from three, which is like 17%. They shot barely above 25% from the field. Uh, Didn't get to the free throw line a whole lot. They were 12 of 18 as a team, but that's a little skewed because you look at the rest of the team, the the, the team as a whole did a good job shooting free throws. It was Urosh that like brought everything down. He was 0 of 4 from the free throw line. Uh, The rest of the team was 12 or 14. Uh, so, I mean, really the team did a good job shooting free throws. It was just a that that uh, stunk that number up for Tennessee, but Gene, my, my thing from that game, there were a lot of reactions online from that game and rightfully so because the team stunk it up, but you also had a lot of reaction to myself. Like I, that game, the officiating gene was not all one-sided. That was all garbage. And, and Tennessee, got job by the officials. Cause I do think they got some really bad calls go against them, especially in, in the block charges, those officials were bad on both sides. I mean, Arkansas fans, if they had lost that game, they would have had just as much to gripe about. Maybe not just as much, but they would have had a lot to gripe about, in my opinion, on their side of the ball, too, because they got some pretty um, iffy and bad calls against them. But you look at the foul discrepancy. I mentioned this in my breakdown piece before the game, that Arkansas had a huge uh, foul advantage at home this entire year, so it wasn't just this referee, this this I guess the crew they had in this game. But – Um, they've had a really good, they've done a good job all year of kind of drawing fouls, but they'd had like a a massive advantage in free throw attempts and in fouls called uh, against them versus fouls called against the opponent at home the entire year and and specifically in SEC play. And the hell true on Saturday against Tennessee, Tennessee goes whistle for 24 fouls. You had Josiah Jordan James foul out. You had Kennedy Chandler and Beskid, both have four fouls, but you had those three get in foul trouble like quickly. And those three who were Tennessee's most, you know, those three played the most minutes for Tennessee and those three had to sit for, you know, longer than they normally do. And it kind of disrupted their rhythm on offense. Um, Basically, Gene, what I'm looking at and what I'm saying is that as, as I guess as ugly as the offense was and as, as, you know, many things you can say about the officiating in this game, I'm not like, I wasn't that discouraged from the loss. It was disappointing because they lost and it, you know, it, there's a golden opportunity there because Auburn had just lost, you know, as Tennessee was tipping off, that the game was going over before Tennessee and Arkansas was the Auburn game where they lost to Florida. And there's a golden opportunity for Tennessee to win and move within a game of, you know, the top spot in the SEC to stay tied with Kentucky. And you lose it and you fall back to fourth, but you're still in the top four. You still have a, a you know, you're still basically on lock for a, uh, a top four seed in the double bye. And you're playing this team again in the regular season finale in your own home court, and have a chance to you know have your home environment be just as loud and rowdy as uh, as Bud Walton was. And I just you're not going to be playing. People are saying, "Oh, well, this is you know Tennessee coming crunch time in March and February. This is Rick Barnes all over. You know how he does all over again." I some of that's fair because yes, Barnes we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. Gene has not had a good track record in March, but. You're also not going to be playing NCAA tournament games in a true road environment. They're, they're neutral sites. The SEC tournament is a neutral site. You're not going to have 19,000 screaming fans who are booing Santiago Escobar every time he touches the ball. You're not going to have the just, I can't hear myself think type of loud noise going on in a in a SEC tournament or NCAA tournament environment. So I, I just think there's a lot you can kind of throw out from this game, and there's just was a lot that I I just I wasn't up in arms over it like I saw some people. And I think just that just is the nature of a social media gene. People like to say the sky's falling after any one just negative thing happens. But like it was disappointing, and there there were plenty of critiques to have for Tensie's offense specifically. But Arkansas also has a really good defense. We talked about it on the podcast last week that they came they came into this game as the number one defensive efficiency team in the SEC and uh, SEC play, according to Ken Palm. And that held true. I mean, their defense was really good. Tennessee turned the ball over 15 times in that game. I mean, they, they disrupted Tennessee really well. And it also helped that they were playing in front of their home court, in front of their home crowd, which is, I mean, they've only lost one time all year. it was to Vanderbilt. I don't know how that happened, but Bud Walton was, that was a great, great home environment for Arkansas. So I, I, I was disappointed with the, with the result and especially with the offense, but I don't know, Gene. Like, I just wasn't – I wasn't up in arms over it like some people were. And, again, that was a a minority, but, like, I did see some reactions. I thought, all right, (laughs) let's talk about this one on the podcast with Gene.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and um, so so I'm sitting here looking at the first half box score. You know, if you're going up against a team that's really good defensively, um, you gotta have again. You gotta have guys that make plays, and your starting point guard has three fouls in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a killer because he can create. And you know, I'm just you know, I'm you know, I'm box. I hate being the box four person, but you know, Ziegler, same thing. Two fouls in the first half. You know, yeah, I, I don't know all the details of it all, so I'm apologizing. I'm coming a little ignorant from it, but, you know, when I see four guys are in foul trouble in the first half, that hurts, man. Like, that hurts what you're trying to do. I mean, you know, Chandler's a guy who's so hard to guard that you can get a lot of stuff. You know, you can get a lot of stuff at the basket or however it needs to be, you know, however you need to create offense with just him. And some of, some of that was Ziegler as well. And so when you don't have those two guys who are just creators, now you're really trying to figure out offense. And of course, uh, in the second half, because of you know the inconsistency of the, of the calls and uh, charges being called left or right and, and all, you don't really you can't get into a flow. Yep. And, and that that hurts a lot of what you're trying to do. I mean, you can't. You're afraid to attack the basket. You don't know what they're going to call, I mean, you know you're in, you're in foul trouble. So. You can't be as aggressive as you want to be, and it hurts. Um, you know, I, I think kind of like you, I mean, it's not, one of those, it's not one of those cases where, like, there's nothing I understand that everybody wants to win every single game. I understand that fans get really excited about wins, and they get really down about, you know, well, they get really excited about big wins, and they get really down about big losses, but everything that you're doing in the regular season is getting you prepared for what's, what's going to occur two weeks from now. Uh, and that's what that's what truly matters. Like, obviously, like it would be huge if they won Saturday, and we'll talk about that. There, you know, here in a little bit, it would be huge if they won Saturday. It would not be, you know, it would not be tragic if they lost. It would be tragic if they lost and lost like a key player. Yep. But otherwise, is if you go out there, you have a really good performance, and Auburn's just a better team, then just accept that Auburn's a better team. You know, and like, I, you know, when you and I talked uh, in the preseason, we both were kind of just wondering out loud what we thought this team could be. Did we both say this is about a nine ten loss team?
0: Yep. Somewhere between 9-10 losses.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said like twenty one and ten, twenty two and nine. Where are they at right now?
0: Uh, right on track for that. Yeah. So, not every
1: single game is going. To look back. And when you look at just the losses, I mean let this sink in. Their worst loss is Alabama. Yeah. By <laughs> most any metric. You know, I mean you can probably argue LSU now, but um
0: But not at the time.
1: Yeah. Like on on the on the season. Like their worst loss is Bama.
0: Yep. And you get a better like, too. they the was down on the road, but Tennessee was down uh two guys code in that game too.
1: And, like, I mean, if you just want to go by, you know, nerdy metrics, Villanova 12, Texas Tech 6, Bama 20, LSU 18, Kentucky 2, Texas 14, Arkansas 19, those are your losses. You also have a win over uh, Kentucky, you got a win over LSU, you got a win over Arizona. Like, this has been a really good team all season long. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, are they winning every game? No. Are they number one in the country? No. But do you feel comfortable about the ways this team can win games in March? Because usually I, I'm always a bit big advocate of you got to have experienced players who have been to the wars and maybe like a dynamic point guard who can just create a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I was the dummy who two years ago wrote uh, how Victor Bailey was the key to the season <laughs> going into the twenty twenty one season. Um he's been very up and down, but when he's when he when he's been good, he has been pretty good. Yeah. Be clear. And that's that's a senior. And you win with those guys in March. Um it's like a fifth-year senior or a fifth-year junior or something like that, whatever he is, he's experienced. Right. He's been in the NCAA tournament before. He's played in the NIT before, or whatever the breakdown was. He's played, I mean, he played for Tennessee last year, so he's been in multiple tournaments. So you've got that. You've got a guy like Fulkerson. You've got you've got guys, even Josiah, guys who have been in the program and understand what's being asked of him. And then you throw in a guy like Chandler who can go out there and be dynamic and march. And you have a chance. I mean, is it is it perfect? Do you have to? Do you have offensive flaws? Yeah, yeah, of course you do. But you also have guys that you feel comfortable can go out there and compete and win in March. And you, to your point, um, everything's neutral
0: site.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, after March fifth, everything's neutral site. And the last time I checked, Tennessee traveled. You know Tennessee yeah. travels, and, yeah, and so you know, I know Kentucky I always like to say blue gets in. I was at that Tennessee Kentucky game in Knoxville what, three years ago. Blue blue did not get in. Um, you know, orange is starting to let itself into the building now. So you know, there's enough excitement around the program. And, you know, social media doesn't speak for everyone. It's not even right. always yep. a, a clear consensus. Um, but you know, when you just look at where this team is, man, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm going way off the rail. I'm not talking too much about Tennessee, Arkansas, because to me, look, I, I was the one who yelled it would be nice to see them get a win of that magnitude because they haven't re- they have not been a quality team and beaten a quality team on the road in a long time. Yep. 15 years. And uh, so I, I think it would have been nice to get and they had chances and you can point to the charges, you can point to the poor shooting. You can point to the foul trouble keeping guys out of rhythm but the fact of the matter is like going forward you still feel comfortable about the team's ability to compete night in and night out they don't just not show up I think that's clear like they may have a bad offense of showing but they don't just not show up and I've seen teams that just you know Tennessee Wisconsin three years ago that team just the, the, the game after Lamonte retired yeah that team just didn't show up. Now they were disheveled or whatever, but this team—when are they just not showing up? Villanova, maybe. Texas Tech was overtime. Mm-hmm. Bama—they're down two players. LSU—you know—they had moments. Kentucky—they one of their most one of their best offensive games of the season. Uh, Texas came down to a point in Arkansas. We're just talking about it. They—they're going to show up. And when you want, you know, you know what guys want is they want guys who can compete every time they step out on the court and this team does that and if they continue to do that they're going to have a chance in every game they play because you don't you don't question their effort you may question their offense you don't question their defense you don't question their effort and those are two things that translate into March
0: yeah and, and to talk about March before we look ahead to this Saturday's game is you're right because like, I mean i I don't want to beliger the point on either the Missouri or Arkansas games, because we're getting to the point where yes, we can talk about these individual games a lot, but we're getting to the point where, like you said, like the, especially right now is, is big preparation time for the time. It matters most where we're about to be the end of the regular season and getting to tournament play. And I've seen multiple projections that even with that Arkansas loss, like Tennessee's still being projected by a lot of places as a three seed and, and, and a four seed by like they're it's a mix between three and four, but you know, a lot of places still have Tennessee's at three because, as you mentioned, they have quality wins and they don't have a bad loss. Like they're they, they're one of three teams in SEC that doesn't have that. All their losses are quad one. Like they don't have a quad two or worse loss. Like all of, all of Tennessee's losses have been what you would call like quality loss. Like they don't. If you look on the little like graphic you'd ESPN like quality wins, bad losses. Tennessee would have zero bad losses. Like you said, their worst ones are Alabama and LSU, and. Those aren't bad. Those are teams that are making the NCAA tournament. I mean, LSU, (laughs) you got to be careful. (laughs) If they keep losing, they may not. But that's still a team that, like, especially at the time when Tennessee played them, they were playing their best ball. It wasn't until kind of late January when they started to fall off. And and really kind of when they – the second time the two teams played is when LSU was really starting to have their pitfall because Pinson was hurt. And uh, I think they had somebody else that was hurt for that game too. But, I mean, Tennessee doesn't have a bad loss. They may have had ugly losses in terms of, you know, The deficit, like the Villanova loss, was ugly because Tennessee, you know, barely put up 50 points and gave up 71, and it was a double-digit loss in that game. Arkansas was ugly because you only scored 48, but you held them to 58. I mean, like there's some ugly losses in that regard, but there isn't a bad one to a bad team. Whereas you look at years past, the only other team, really, the only other team Gene I can think of in the Rick Barnes era that hasn't had that didn't have like a, a bad loss was that team if i remember correctly i'll look at the schedule but it was the team that was number one for uh, for a month um i don't recall them having i'll go back and look i don't recall them having a bad loss. i'm going to pull up the schedule because i mean the only ones i can think of were at lsu and auburn um let's see they lost to kansas in overtime which kansas was good that year too they were number two at the point that point when they played them lost to kentucky lost to lsu lost to auburn twice in regular season and in the uh SEC final and then SEC tournament final and then again the other the last loss was to Purdue in the Sweet 16 in overtime so they didn't have a bad loss I mean those were all very quality opponents that they lost to that year uh, I want I want to check the year prior the one that won the share of the SEC regular season title because I don't recall them having a bad one they lost to no they lost to Villanova which at the time was number five team in the country they lost to Arkansas in overtime sorry what was that they
1: lost to Georgia.
0: Ah, yes, you're right. They did lose they, they lost to Georgia. Stegman, and they and they Stegman lost, has just been a house of horrors for Tennessee. For whatever. They lost
1: reason. To, They lost to Bama that that year too. I'm just again, I'm looking at it strictly from the numbers perspective. And Bama, um, was finished the year 57.
0: And they lost and to Missouri that year. Which they Missouri was horrible. Yeah, Missouri was 40. Good. Yeah, Missouri
1: finished 40. Um. Yeah, God, yeah they lost but,
0: almost 30 to Alabama. I forgot about that game.
1: Yeah, uh, so I'm just glancing here. I'm yeah, so, so at I, really,
0: yeah. That, that plays into my, my point. Like, this is only, you know, barring Tennessee losing to Georgia and Stegman <laughs> here in, in a week, this is this will be the only the second time in the Barnes era and really the second time in the last, like, God, like decade plus that Tennessee has, hasn't had a bad loss. Uh, again, counting that, that team that went number one for a month, that this would be the only time, again, Knocking on wood that Tennessee doesn't lose to to Georgia here in a week or doesn't have a you know doesn't lose in the first their first game in the SEC tournament, but barring any of that happening, this would be the first time and the second time in the last decade that Tennessee hasn't had a bad loss in their resume. So like yeah, this is not a a bad team. And to get to the point I was trying to make and I got sidetracked myself uh, was that a lot of projections I'm seeing have Tennessee as a three or four seed, and uh, I saw one that was from i want to say it was heat check maybe three-man weave it was it was one of those i, I quoted it from the uh, vol hoops fever twitter account so let me go pull it up really quick but they had like projected tournament wins and they had you know it listed by who has the most projected tournament wins i think gonzaga was number one which not a shock on that one um auburn was up there too but tennessee was up there in the top 10 and they had to projected as like a you know having slightly more than two so it basically mostly between two and three, but closer to two wins, which two wins in the NCAA tournament as a three or four seed is getting you to the Sweet sixteen, which Tennessee has not done a ton. They've done more in the past twenty years than they than they had in the, you know, the previous twenty before that. Um but I I said this on Twitter if you to, if you told me right now without any any further details in terms of who they're playing or if they're down any guys or anything like that, but if you told me right now that this team gets to the sweet sixteen, I would take it. I know I would 100% be heartbroken if we get to that point and, and Tennessee is like a, a possession away from going to the Elite Eight and doesn't make it. But like, I would 100% take a Sweet 16 for this team right now, Gene. Yeah, here it is. It was by Heat Check. Tennessee was ranked, uh, I guess technically, yeah, t- actually 11th for projected NCAA tournament wins at, at 2.17. And they're projected as a three seed on this one right now, on, on the Heat Check one at the time for their like bracket uh, tournament index that they do with uh, I think it's hardwire sports is what they kind of look at there. But um, Gene, I mean, I would like, again, I know this is, this is a a month or I guess like a month from now. My my feelings may be different, but Tennessee, this team gets to a sweet 16. I don't know. I, I would be satisfied. I think that is a satisfactory outcome for this team given the roster and everything. And this team has the potential to do that. And has they do, depending on the matchups in the tournament have the potential to get to an elite eight. It's going to really, genuinely depend on Tennessee's seeding, who they're in the bracket up against. Because you get to that three seed, oh, I'm having trouble remembering how the brackets work. But if you get to the three seed, I think it's you don't you don't play you don't play the one seed until you would get to like the that actual bracket final. Is that correct? Am I, am I remembering that correctly, Gene? Or do you know off the top of your head? I'll look at the brackets in a second.
1: I'm sorry, I was I was looking at something else, man. You repeat that question for me.
0: Um, yeah. And I think actually I just answered myself. So yeah, if, if Tennessee is a, if you're a three seed, you don't play, you wouldn't have to play the one seed until you get to, you know, to the elite eight, to the, that, that final of the bracket, you, you'd be be matched up likely with the two seed of that, of that bracket, which is much better. Like I, that's why Tennessee, if they can get a three seed, perfect four seed, it's fine. It's okay. Like that, that's a still a potential sweet 16, uh, you know, I guess pathway there and then potentially getting to the elite eight there. But, um I, I think if Tennessee can get a 3 seed that would be phenomenal for them and that that sets up likely potentially better than a 4 seed of, of getting to an elite 8 and getting you know past the sweet 16 ber- berth for Tennessee.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, and in this year, I mean, are we sure that there's four legit ones? Right. Um,
0: <laughs> this year's so crazy it's a thing too. Yeah.
1: There's usually like two or three legit ones. There's, sometimes there's an argument that there's a 15 that should have been number one, but usually it's three. And the fourth person, the fourth team is, is like everybody has, uh, has scars, has marks and they pick a team and the first number two is just real mad about it. Um, But, you know, like when you, you know, when you look at just what this team is, I mean, this team is built for any and all circumstances, like they are, their quality, they're good. I mean, that's not a team that's going to get rattled. I mean, just look at the guys. Look at the makeup of the guys on that team. You've got guys. You know, your point guards from, you know, your point guards are built. I, I talked to a coach a few years ago that was telling me that he wanted to go recruit guys from like tougher areas because they've been through more. And I mean, when you look at just the two point guards of this Tennessee team, you're talking about. um Kennedy Chandler, who you know grew up in Memphis, we talk about Sakai Ziegler. who everybody knows everything about this kid's story because Mike Wilson of the Knox and News did such an amazing job in captivating just what that kid's been through. Um, they're not gonna flinch, like they may get beat, but they're not gonna flinch. And I wouldn't care if this seems a four, I wouldn't care if this seems a three. Um, like you may, you may beat them. Um, I, I listened to a podcast where uh one of the guys is talking about certain people and one of the guys is like one of the guys he talks about is Mick Cronin and he's always like man you don't you don't beat Mick Cronin you have to kill him um, <laughs> and it's just completely funny just because he watched how that UCLA team battled last year but you know like I mean, and that's just kind of what the Tennessee team is. This is a team that you're not going to just beat them. Like, you're going to have to, like, literally, like, you know, kill them. And they'll still feel like they have a chance, even when it's all said and done, because they're just that talented. Um, They're that tough. They've been through – they've all been through so much. Um, I mean, like, look at a guy. I mean, I think the definition of toughness, to me, is show Like a guy who—I mean, when you just look at it, you're talking about a guy who literally had to deal with the social media storm of his early season. So he wasn't hitting shots and and, and things of that nature. People were all pissed off whenever he against because he didn't hit the shot against Texas, and he—you know—he responds. That's toughness, man. That's tough because like, like a lot of guys would. Shrink in that moment, so they have a, a moment that plays out on national television that everybody has a chance to see. Um, he instead, you know, has has played well. Look like at John Fulkerson, a guy who everybody likes to make a little joke about how old he is, everything he's gone through. You know, just what his career, his, you know, trajectory has been, has been all over the place. You know, to go from, uh, you know, to go from budding freshman to you know, to just a, a hustle, you know, a hustle mania guy, to an all-conference player, to now more of a role player, because, like, more, you know, bigger, better, more talented players have come in, and he just accepted that, but that takes pride, and that takes toughness to be able to handle that. If you just look at the guys on this team, they've all been through a lot. I mean, Victor Bailey, you know, the social media storm, when he couldn't hit shots. Uh, I mean, Justin Powell is going through it right now, in, in extent, because, you know, he's a young kid, and he didn't play well against uh, uh, Arkansas, and didn't play at all last night in a game that they held. They pretty much controlled. Yep. Um, like so, you just look at the guys on this team. Like so, that. This is this is what you're trying to build. This is what they built four years ago that 18-19 team that won 26 games, or I'm sorry, 17-18 team that won 26 mm-hmm. games. Whichever. Yeah, 17-18 team that, that was so successful that. I, it's a team that's built on toughness. It's a team that's built on, you know, like, you know, small, quick guards. I think back then it was, it was Bone Turner and uh, Number Three, the graduate transfer. Team. Oh, um,
0: Ian it's built Daniel. on those three. Yeah,
1: it, it, James mm-hmm. Daniel.
0: Uh, James was Daniel.
1: Yeah, yeah it's built on those three, and then like you've got, you know, you've got your post, who's you know, obviously, you know, a budding superstar, and Grant Williams. You've got toughness all over the court. And they've got that now. I mean, they've got it now. Like you can't, you can't say enough about where where they are now as a team. Um, I understand the wins. I understand they're not number one in the country. Uh, I completely understand that. I understand, you know, one of your former coaches has built, you know, has quickly built a really successful program. uh, But four hours down the road, I understand all that stuff. Uh, You know, I, I understand that, but. Everything is about building for right now. Everything's about building for March. And you have a team, like, you're probably not going to face Auburn unless it's one of those, like, Final Four Elite Eight scenarios like Kentucky and Auburn a few years ago. You're not going to face that team for four rounds. Kentucky would be the same thing. Um, like, that would be – and that would be just one of those weird scenarios where the two teams have won three games. And, you know, you some of the teams that you may you, know, you may come up against – yeah, you know, like you know, some of the SEC teams you may come up against, you won't come up against them for a while. The teams that have given you problems at times, you won't have to see them for a while. But can you beat? Uh, can you beat a UTC in the first round of the tournament? You get past them. Can you beat a a five seed? I'm trying to think of who a potential five seed would be. You know, can you beat a team of that of that caliber?
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the bracket matrix bracket matrix right now, and <laughs> here's who they have as a between a five and a six seed currently on a bracket matrix: Texas, mm-hmm. Alabama, <laughs> he's played already. That's cool. Ohio State, Connecticut, Arkansas, at LSU, and then USC and Michigan State. Those those are kind of the, the five and six seeds right now. So again, like everybody half of those wants teams to play
1: Tennessee's Michigan played. State, man. Everybody wants to play Michigan State right now. I do, I don't know why, but everybody wants to play I mean, anybody if you a lot of people have not seen Tom Mizzle's movies, if they want to play Michigan State in March, um I'm not, I would not be trying to see them early on, but that seems to be a, a lot of people's trendy five twelve fit. But um but yeah, I mean like that's you know, can you beat a team of that caliber? I think it's possible. Yeah. And if you can win three games, that gets you to your second elite eight. To where you can face a team. Yeah, you can face a Kentucky team. That's what? You split with them. Yep. You split with them. I mean, details don't matter. I understand they were missing a key play. Not here to argue that. Not here to dispute that. What I know is that they, the two teams played, there were a lot of people. They kept score. And Tennessee won. Um, so, like, everything is about being built. And this is a team that's tough. This is a team that's hungry. Um... And I think you hit, you come to a point. Well, I mean, the, the SEC does such a good job of scheduling where all these games are so important and they're so big in caliber. I mean, they're so huge in, in terms of just how big these games are. Uh, I mean, I, it's a week left in the season and you're playing all that. You get a, an extremely high profile game where you have an opportunity to really you know, build that resume. You win Saturday, all of a sudden, you're in the conversation for a three you sweep next week, who knows? Instead of a three, now all of a sudden maybe you're sneaking up towards the two. And, you know, if you go two and one, and those two are, say, Arkansas and and Auburn, that's a different conversation. And so that's – to me, that's what's been built. That's what's been created here. I mean, Georgia's not going to do anything for you. Their coach has got, like, 15 minutes left. Like, I mean, honestly, at this point, quite literally, about 15 minutes left. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, who knows what, you know, who knows what you have in the tournament? You know, who knows what you get in the SEC tournament? But if you have 22, you know, if you have 22 wins, eight losses going into the SEC tournament, maybe you can win two more, you know, it gets you to 24 and nine. Maybe you win it out and go 26 and eight, whatever the case may be. Now you have a resume with some really quality wins because if you're going to win the NFC championship, the tournament championship, you're going to have that. You're going to have to at least two quality wins back onto that resume.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are all great points. And I, I again, I agree with what, what you said. And it's just also, this just crazy to me. Like, look, looking at the, the Bracket Matrix again, which if you if all don't know what the Bracket Matrix is, it's a site that compiles like all a lot of major um kind of bracketology things out there so ESPN and, and Jerry Paul, and and you know Palm but like it's not just those guys it has a bunch of other ones who do bracketology stuff and are and are like well thought of and well known like metrics who I've had I've talked to a lot of different times on when I worked at Rocket Top Insider and I think had him on here once before I don't remember um but anyway just looking at the like the three seeds like three the one two and three seeds like basically the top 12 teams Um, in their their bracket and Gene like half of them are teams that Tennessee's played Arizona and Auburn you know who Tennessee's about to play um, those are both one seeds Kentucky's a two seed Texas Tech's a three seed Villanova's a three seed (laughs) so it's just like all these teams that Tennessee's played that are going to be one two and three seeds it's just like I mean Tennessee just to reiterate has not had a bad loss and has played a really high quality schedule and has played some really high quality opponents all season. And yes, they've had, you know, they've played weak week, opponents, but right now looking at the, the net rankings, which is what the, you know, the selection committee really uses as a, as a big tool to judge the value of a team. Tennessee's ninth right now, in the net. And actually, you know, before Auburn plays their game against Ole Miss tonight, Gene, Tennessee's ranked right ahead of them. They're ninth. Auburn's 10th. And then, you know, who's ahead of Tennessee Number eight's Villanova, number seven's Texas Tech. Who Tennessee both played both those teams this year, so I mean they're right there with the teams they have played against, and you know either lost to or have beaten. They beat Arizona, who's currently number two in the net. They've split with, split with Kentucky, who's number three in the net. So I mean they've played consistently some really good teams, as you mentioned, teams that they teams that if they make it to the sixteen, they will teams like that will be ones they'll have to play maybe not in the Sweet 16, but getting, you know, in the Elite Eight, if they get that far, they'll be playing a a one or two seed at some point in the other Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. So, like, you've mentioned, like, they've played these teams already, and they've beaten some of these teams already, and they're more than capable of beating the teams they'll have to beat to get to that Sweet 16. So we're looking ahead, and that's maybe more of a conversation to have once we get out of the regular season, but um, I'm with you. Like, my, my opinion of this team hasn't changed drastically since they've Finally, it seems like they've figured out quite a few things. They're they're not their perfect team by any means, but they figured out a lot between now and when we were talking about this team in a month ago, in late January. You know, they, they figured out a lot about themselves. Um, really quickly, I don't want to spend too much time because we've already talked for quite a bit on here. I do want to uh, preview a little bit of the Auburn game and look ahead to that because... That's a, that, It's going to be fun. I, I'm not. You know, we're recording this before Auburn plays Ole Miss. I'm not expecting that to be a game. It's it's Auburn at Auburn. They're really good at home. Um, they're playing Ole Miss, who's not a great team. But Gene, I will say, while I have a lot of concerns about the way Tennessee's front court will match up with Auburn in this game, Auburn's guard play is it's still good. Don't get me wrong. It's still, it's still a solid guard unit, but it's not the, the guards of years past with, with Auburn, like you think of, you know, with the, a uh, couple years ago with Jared Harper, for example, like it, it's not those types of guards still. Katie Johnson, <laughs> dude's a maniac. Like he, he's a high energy, uh very passionate player. Wendell green is a really good, really, again, he's kind of like a, a, the Kennedy Chandler or Zachai Ziegler in terms of a stature five eleven. that went Katie Johnson, six one, like they're going to have a couple small guards to match up with Tennessee small guards, um, in this game. And they're from Atlanta and Detroit. So again, talk about coming from places that, you know, you know, you grew up and, and, and have that really good, the attitude that you want a, a point guard to have and a, just a guard in general to have. Um, but this team is, is not a lot of times. When you think of Auburn over the last few years under Bruce Pearl, it's a, jacking up a bunch of threes and, and scoring that way this team has not been good at shooting three pointers on the year they're shooting just 32 percent at an sec play it's just 29 percent uh, i guess 29 and a half percent whatever clearly obviously though you know this year's team is a different makeup because of walker kessler and jabari smith they're the number one two-point offense in the sec um they still shoot a lot of threes and relatively to how bad they are at making them but they have the number one two point percentage offense in the sec play they they've hit almost 55 percent of their twos in sec play they have the number two scoring offense in the sec they're averaging almost nine blocks per game in the sec because walker kessler is blocking five per game in sec play they rebound really really well because they have a seven foot one and six foot ten post players who are both really athletic and really dynamic um, they have number one offensive team, offensive, or excuse me, number one rebounding. They're number one in defensive and number two in offensive rebounding per game in SEC play. So this is a really good team, Gene, but they've also, uh, and I haven't actually looked it up just yet. I'm about to, but I know from the, the quote unquote eye test, this team has struggled a lot on the road. Um, all their losses, you know, all two of them <laughs> i guess uh, i guess besides the connecticut one earlier in the year as a neutral site but in the sec play both their losses have been in on the road and they've struggled they, they they didn't play well against south this is earlier in the year but they didn't play well against uh usf on the road they didn't play well against st louis on the road they struggled against against alabama that's a that's a good team but they struggled really badly against missouri they struggled really badly against georgia i mean this is a Different team on the road than they are at home. They've they've not looked great on the road this year. Uh, they didn't play well against. I mean, they played okay against South Carolina. If I that game, it was one that they you know pulled away pulled away late on. But they've really not had a great time on the road this year. They've they've been buoyed a lot by the fact that they've played just exceptional at home. They're, they're undefeated, and the vast majority of those games haven't been that close at home. I mean, their their closest win at home. Is against Kentucky and they pulled away late in that one and won that one by nine and that's the closest that's the closest home game they've had all year, Gene. So they've been in a really good home home team, but lately they've not been playing their best ball as of late and they struggle on the road. I still feel really nervous about how many of these analytics sites and stuff have Tennessee winning this game. I don't know if I'm ready to predict Tennessee to win this one, but this is a game that if Tennessee can get anything out of Adu and Uroche maybe, or or anything out of Adu and one other post player that can just be a guy out there that can do something that isn't like turning the ball over every time he touches it. If they can just get something from two post players on, especially Adu on defense, if they can get just a little something from a post player on offense, I feel pretty good about this one. I, I It's going to be a fun game. The crowd's going to be insane for that one, as insane as a Kentucky game because – it's a top five opponent in Auburn. It's Bruce Pearl back in Knoxville again, uh, with with this time with with a full crowd. So it's going to be a fun one, I think, and it's going to be a game that I think both teams get into this, probably into the seventies in. Um, but Gene, I I have a decently okay. I have a better feeling about this game than I did uh, two three weeks ago. I really do. I feel a little bit better. I feel quite a bit better actually about this game than I did two or three weeks ago. I'm still not quite ready to say Tennessee wins it, um, but it's going to be close. Every, 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 even the ones that predict predicting Tennessee to win, have it as like a one or two point game. And it would not shock me if it came down to, you know, the final two possessions of the game for whomever in this one.
1: Yeah. It, you kind of uh, alluded to it. I mean, some of the, those teams, some of those teams in the past were built off of, uh, I'm sorry. I've guards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The open team, and you know, like I still remember the SEC championship game from three years ago in Nashville, where um, they basically just spread. Um, I mean, they literally just spread that team out the entire game. They just hit three after three after three, after three and I, it was just it was such a bad look. I mean, not bad look, but it was just such a bad game for them. And this team, I mean, I'm sitting here just looking at, it and these aren't perfect stats, but. You know, you take out quite possibly the best player in college basketball, Jabari Smith, and there's not really anybody that scares you from, from deep. So, I mean, like, they obviously they have a really talented one-two, con- you know, combination uh, in Smith and Kessler. I mean, their guards are, yeah, yeah.
0: I like their attitudes. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about, like, you know, as much of their skill set, but, man, I love Katie Johnson and Wendell Green's attitudes and the way they play. That, oh, yeah. It's going to be they're fun seeing guy. them go up against Kennedy and Zakai. Yeah, I mean they're,
1: they're tough guys. To um, but like I feel like that's a position where Tennessee kind of has an advantage, mm-hmm. and Tennessee shoots it well at home. And if mm-hmm. they're again, if they're hitting shots, they are tough to beat. And that environment gets going, and you know that you know when, when Bruce Pearl comes to town, you know that's already a more emotionally charged environment for obvious reasons. So, like, I think, you know, it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Um, just because, I mean, there's just so much – but it's not really a ton on the line. I mean, look, man, you try to tell people, hey, you won an SEC championship three years ago. They tell you it was a regular season championship, and who cares? Um, and so, I mean, it's not like it's really, you know, a regular season game. I mean, like, but it, it's not one of those games where it's like, man – we can win the championship because you know. like I've been told that those things don't really matter in in basketball, uh, you know, especially in like the SEC. And so, like for me, I, I'm just looking at it as it's it would be it's a great game that is going to be amazing to see on television, and for the twenty thousand or so people that make it, it's going to be a great environment. And, you know, you certainly hope that they go out there. And, you know, I, I can't talk enough about Tennessee's ability and their desire to compete every single time they step out on the court. And I'm looking forward to hopefully getting a chance to see some of that because I think it's going to be – hopefully it's high-level basketball. Hopefully it's certainly going to be, I think, a good game. And that's what that's what I want to see. That that's, that's what basketball is this time of year. It's like you if you wanting to see the high, you know, like the high-octane games. You want to see the games in the 70s. You want to see ducks and threes. You want to see somebody having great performance as you go into the last week of the regular season. And this could be the game that somebody like, you know, that you see a Chandler really break onto the scene. Or, or you know, even more so. Because he's had great games, but... This is the this is the high profile game where somebody kind of really is like you know introduces themselves like you know yep. gets really gets draft people excited. Uh, Tennessee doesn't have anybody that gets you draft excited yet. Like not, doesn't get the uh, doesn't get the the Chad Fords and people like that. Uh, uh, but Gavoni, um, Draft Express guy. There's nobody on this team that gets you know gets you really excited there. But you know, say Kennedy Chandler goes like 28 and 10. On a stage like that, I mean, he's right now their best prospect for the next level. He does that, and all of a sudden now you got the buzz back around this program again. Like, they're winning a lot. They're not losing to bad teams, but there's the buzz, the national buzz is not there. And this would be the type of game that would bring it back to this program.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a big-time game, and, and Tennessee has – they've won a couple of those, but this would be, like you said, the national spotlight's going to be on this game. Tennessee has not won one on a Saturday while. because obviously the Kentucky game was was a big victory for Tennessee, but it was on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock, which was great for the, the TBA environment, but it was kind of bad from the respect of you know late night game on ESPN. Like I was, I'm sure that was really well watched. I, I didn't actually haven't seen the numbers on it or anything, but you know that was the Super Tuesday stuff, so I'm sure it was you know well watched. But this is being on a Saturday and a pretty good time slot too. So, um I yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot. Uh, to watch for in this game. I would say there's a lot there is a lot riding on it, but there's also again like unless Tennessee falls off the face of the planet in in the last couple weeks, your last, you know, three games of the regular season, they're going to get a top 4 seed. And you would prefer to be I don't know because the way the I don't I don't know because the the way that middle of the SEC standings is is right now, it's really hard to predict who's going to get what. My whole thing is I want if I'm Tennessee, I want to avoid Alabama and Florida if I can, as my like first game as so where, if that, if that means being the four seed, cool. If that means being the two seed, do try to get that. I don't, I don't really care what seed Tennessee is as long as I get the double bye, and as long as their first game isn't against an Alabama or Florida and try to avoid Auburn as long as you can as the, as I guess it, that's why maybe getting the, the two or three would be a, a better than the four because you don't have to worry about playing Auburn in the, the semifinal if that's the case. Uh, Cause I don't see Auburn not winning the SEC at this point. That's again, they lose Tennessee and then they lose to like Mississippi state or something, uh, here in their last couple games. And then Kentucky goes on to win it. But regardless, like Tennessee's top four, there's, there's a decent amount riding on this game. Um, uh, but there's also, it's not like the end of the world if, if Tennessee loses or the end of the world of Auburn loses. So um, it's exciting though and it's a game that I very personally am very excited about and I know a lot of people listening to this are very excited about um, a, a chance to beat Bruce Pearl is always a nice chance and always a nice game uh, and a nice feather to stick in your cap because well Rick Barnes hasn't done it a whole lot and not just Tennessee but at Texas if you want to go back that far too uh, Rick Barnes does not have a good track record against Bruce Pearl just in his, his coaching career period but uh, Gene, that'll be, I think, where we close out this episode. It'll be right around just under an hour. It's one of our shorter ones over the past <laughs> couple weeks, a uh, couple months, really. Um, but I do want to thank all of you again for listening, watching, you know, wherever you are. If you're listening to it on your podcast app of choice or watching it on YouTube, slash listening to it there as well. Really, thank you all so much. Be sure to check out the video breakdown of the Auburn game coming up. Uh, it should be out on Friday sometime of the matchup breakdown video. I try to, do, I do before every SEC game for Tennessee to give you a preview of the opponent and just a preview of the game in general. So check that out on our YouTube channel as well. I, I haven't really plugged that a whole lot here on the podcast, so we'll definitely do that just in case some of you don't know why I do that on the YouTube channel, which is just Vol Basketball Fever just like the podcast is. So be sure to check it out. Should have a hopefully a Lady Vols Basketball Fever podcast episode coming out here in the next couple of days as well. I meant to do one last week. It schedule wise didn't work out unfortunately with who I was trying to get on, so Uh, This week, hopefully, it'll work out a lot better and have some more things to talk about as they're wrapping up their regular season as well. But signing off for Gene, I'm Nathaniel. Thank you all so much. This has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more video content and follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you, ball fans.